Good morning, Stutzcasters. It is Wednesday, the 19th of July, 2023. So welcome to our midsummer. Well, it's probably past midsummer, but it's certainly in the grip of summer podcast. And Rooney and I are up on the top of the uh, gate one which is the road, uh, the first entrance to El Madronal um, urbanisation. And it is hot as heck, and it's only uh, 7.54 in the morning. So uh, it's already probably, well, I think, I mean, it's probably about 28 degrees already. Um, So what's that, about 86, 87? (laughs) Nice and warm, isn't it, Rue? Root is shedding like a flipping old carpet. We have to, uh, we've got one of those, you know, hand vacuum cleaner things. And uh, honestly, we have to go around the house about twice a day, just vacuuming up all his black dog hair that uh, he kind of leaves all over the place for us. And I brush him two or three times a week. It's a thankless task though, isn't it, Rue? or pointless task, because he quite likes it now. But pointless, because it doesn't matter how many times I brush his coat, just more and more and more keeps coming out. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like one of those kind of three wishes type situations. You know, the Irishman that meets the genie and uh, gets three wishes and he asks for a never-ending pint of Guinness. And then he says, Says, well, what do you want for your next two wishes? He says, two more. God. He says, two more pints like that. <laughs> well, Rooney's coat is like that. That uh, noise was a uh, rubbish collecting truck that's hooting at the gate because it's a locked community up here. Hooting at the gate to let out. He's collected the rubbish and uh, now he wants to go, but uh, the gate isn't opening. I can't help him because I haven't got my uh, remote control key with me. <laughs> Gosh, brand new truck as well. Very, very clean recycling truck. I, I hope he doesn't hoot again because that's going to get uh, onto our podcast. I don't know if I can help him by just pressing the, the bell. <laughs> Let's see if I can do that. See, I shouldn't really interfere, should I? Uh, let's just see. If I press this little button here, he might be able to get out. Well, yeah, I've opened it for him and he has no idea. There you go. <laughs> okay, let's get away from that. Noisy old truck. Um, so yes, I'm introducing, aren't I? So thank you for joining us on this uh, hot midsummer day. And uh, well, I wonder where, what the weather's like where you are, because Europe is getting—they're calling it Cerberus. The uh, remember the uh, in, in mythology, the triple-headed dog in uh, Hades in hell 
<laughs> Cerberus. Well, that's what they're calling this weather pattern at the moment, because uh, there are three places in Europe where uh, the weather is, is getting extremely hot. Southern Spain, obviously, Italy, and uh, where's the third place? Somewhere like Sardinia or somewhere. But uh, it's not actually, I mean, it's been hot, but not cripplingly hot like it has. We haven't got into the mid 40s. We've only been in the uh, mid 30s, I'd say, which by comparison is tolerable. Not too bad. Oh, there's a swallow above me. Um, anyway, yes, let's get into the main body. So thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the weather's like where you are. If you're in England, probably not good. If you're in America, you're probably getting some heat, but I know you're getting heat and rain at the same time, which is doubly unpleasant. Um, if you're in Northern Europe, not you know, crappy weather. Um, but if you're in, in sort of uh, West Coast America, incredible. I know that, well, California's had it red hot. And Death Valley's hit 50, I think it's 55 degrees, which is almost a record. I was listening on the radio that 56 degrees, recorded in 1919, was the highest ever recorded temperature in Death Valley. So one degree off. I mean, you would just spontaneously combust at those kind of temperatures. So... Yeah, and of course, it's another sum, the hottest summer on record. So, I don't know. These, <laughs> these people that are still arguing that uh, man's having no impact on the climate. I don't know. I'm afraid the evidence is, <laughs> is right on top of us. Anyway, uh, so it is hot and it is summer. And thank you for joining us. And off we go. Okay, well, I got a little distracted there. There's a uh, guy jogging, um, and uh, I didn't expect him to stop, but I just went hi <laughs> as he jogged past and he stopped and introduced himself as, I'm Leo, I've just bought a house here. <laughs> so uh, he wanted to just have a chat. He seemed to be quite uh, clued up. He's, met, he's been down at the bar in uh, our village and met quite a few people already. So it's quite friendly. He seemed very friendly. Danish. Anyway, we're uh, just coming up to the corner here. Now the sun is up. It's just up. It's hazy today. Very hazy. Can you actually hear? I don't think I just walked past it, but I'm sure we'll come across another cicada. But the sun is up. And there's absolutely no birds singing at all. Usually, usually you get a blackbird or a pigeon or a dove, but no, not this morning. Uh, I think I heard something there. Uh, yeah, it's a blackbird. Blackbirds are pretty resilient. Oh, and there's a <laughs> grasshopper just hopping right in front of me. Good morning. He stopped. He's right in front of me. So yes, well, this time of year, the sun comes up and uh, it 
you know, it's, it's an incredible conversion. And, you know, sometimes I think of it like that. You've got this, the, okay, so, so, you know, what are we, like, 20, uh, 10, 15 minutes, I'm just going to have to pause, somebody else is coming. Sorry, yes, another early morning walker. So, I don't know, the sun's been up for, what, 10, 20 minutes now. And uh, the way I think of it is sometimes, you get this incredible conversion of energy where uh, the sun, you know, rains down on, on the earth, which is captured, the energy from the sun is captured by chlorophyll, you know, and turned into this incredible green everywhere. Yes, it is green. I often say this, that you'd expect it to be all brown and burnt, but it's not. There's green everywhere. And then, well, I guess, you know, the green is, is converted by, you know, the, into, in, in, into plants. So the, the herbivores, you know, eat the plants and then the carnivores eat the herbivores. <laughs> and, the, you know, so that the sun's energy has turned into carbohydrate and, uh, and eaten by the herbivores and the herbivores Turn it into protein, <laughs> and then yeah, that's that life. Life just keeps converting energy into energy. Did I say chloroform. I meant chlorophyll. But uh, I learnt recently. It's an interesting fact. I thought it was interesting that the chlorophyll molecule differs very, very slightly, only very slightly, from the hema molecule in our blood, you know, hemoglobin. Um, the, the, the only real difference between the chlorophyll molecule and the hema molecule is that the chlorophyll molecule has magnesium at its heart, which gives it the green color. And the hema molecule has iron, which gives it the red color. So we're really not that different, chemically at least, from uh, plant life. <laughs> Isn't that extraordinary? So I'm just coming up to the corner here. Now you can probably hear a cicada. Get up in the trees there. There's some very tall trees here. There's a, a very Normally tranquil corner. Normally you've got a lot of birds singing in this corner. And a lot of eucalyptus trees, which are the sort of tall trees where their, their branches tend to sort of stay close to the trunk and, and sort of point it upwards more than outwards. Very pretty trees. And uh, the bark sort of peels off like like, you know, in the old days, before everybody knew to wear sunscreen, <laughs> you'd see people's skin peeling. Well, sometimes the bark on a eucalyptus tree looks like that, out of peeling. I don't really know why it peels like that. I guess it's the heat or maybe it's some sort of 
And I can't be an animal getting that high up in the trees, pulling the bark down. Maybe it just peels. So I came out here and was hoping. Oh, no, wait, there is a blackbird. There is a blackbird. <laughs> you can't hear him. It's probably just out of the microphone. Oh, and a little, mm, little tiny one. I don't know what that was, but there isn't much because the, the heat has sort of cowed the bird life into submission. It's not even that hot yet. Or at least that type of bird life. It's a shame because I wanted to give you something. Yeah, there is a little bit of a chatter of a blackbird there, I think. The blackbird's song is probably, they, they say that the song of the blackbird is the most like like the human conversation. <laughs> and it's probably one of the most prevalent birds on the on the globe. It seemed to be absolutely everywhere. And more or less the same type of song wherever you go. Very, very beautiful song. I'm <laughs> talking about it unfortunately. I'm not surrounded by it, usually I am. But, uh, yeah, they used to eat blackbirds, didn't they? <laughs> Was that song, 420 blackbirds? They don't eat them anymore, I don't think they eat them anymore. People, we, they, that's it. I believe there are some places that eat rooks. Well, I wouldn't fancy that, would you? Rook pie. But, uh, I think blackbirds are, are uh, eaten much anymore. But, um, no, I suppose the point I'm making is uh, not even the blackbird, who was probably one of the most resilient birds to, you know, the power of summer heat, even he and she has given up and decided just to stay calm, preserve their energy. That's Rooney rustling around in the bush. Come on, Roo. Uh, even, um, even Shakespeare refers to the blackbird in Midsummer Night's Dream. Bottom talks about the blackbird. Is uh, you know, bottom because he's the idiot. He thinks that the blackbird's trying to, trying to sort of fool him. Now, there I think I am getting one. I can't remember the whole quote, but I know he says something like, to refer to the orange tawny bill. So they do have that orange, orange beak, which is unusual really when, uh, when you think but they're completely black, except for a bright orange beak. You know, Rue, I'm gonna go up this way. Might be a little bit more peaceful. Although I don't know. Um, so yes, 
Well, in the absence of. Oh God, I'm not going to go that way. Somebody's building something. Um, we'll get down here. In the absence of much uh, nature to discuss, which is a shame because I always like to do that, but in the absence of that, we better discuss other uh, recent happenings and activity. Well, we could talk about war and economics, but I don't think we will this morning, Rue. No, too depressing. Let's talk about sport. Much more interesting. Hey, Rue, this way. Um, well, if you're a tennis fan, like I am, come on. Um, what a Wimbledon men's final we had on Sunday. God, it was just, you know, the billing that everybody hoped we would get. And, uh, you know, had our fingers crossed that it would end up this way. With uh, Djokovic against Alcaraz, the Spaniard against the Serbian. And uh, now Djokovic is 36 years old. And if you think about it, since, since I was still there somewhere, come on. Um, Alcaraz is only 20 years old, so Djokovic is 36. So in Alcaraz's entire life so far, only four people have won the men's singles uh, title at Wimbledon. And that's Andy Murray, uh, Roger Federer, Rafael uh, Nadal, and uh, Novak Djokovic. So those are the only four in the last 20 years who won it because you know, they've been dominating. Well, Andy Murray was one off, but, but the other three have been dominating it so much. That if you're Alcaraz, that's all, you, all, all you've known if you've been watching Wimbledon as the, uh, you know, the three champions. Well, Andy's won it once, but the others have won it multiple times. So, um, we had uh, friends here to stay. Um, in fact, uh, they, they came back because they were here uh, summer last year too. Ingrid uh, Milne and Walt Shanley and their son Miles. And Miles had two friends with him, Charlie, who was also here last year, and a friend called Rowan. And they came, to, they didn't stay in our house, but they stayed in our village in a house very close to us last year. In fact, I think I may have covered it in a podcast. And they had a fab time, so they wanted to do it again. So they came back, and we did have a fabulous time. Really, really great. Did lots. This is part of the, the, the benefit and the inconvenience of living here is the benefit is you get to see loads of you know friends and they come out here on holiday and they're in a great mood and everybody's enjoying themselves the inconvenience is that you've got to be on more than if you were living in a place where people didn't come on holiday <clears throat> and there's so much to do here so uh, bearing in mind they were here last year one of the things they they actually requested that we do for, you know again was go to the um the mountain restaurant called the Association of the People of Marbella, funny name, uh, that's in Spanish obviously, but, and uh, we hadn't been since they were last here, and, and I've got to say, 
yet again it came out tops. It's just, it's just beautiful food, simply prepared, simply presented in a magical environment. You're, you're right underneath the Concha Mountain. And, oh, you can hear the cicadas now. Anyway, um, we did that with them. And um, we did a few other things. We had them for dinner one evening. Um, what else did we do? Oh yeah, we went to Tarifa. That was fun. Um, Tarifa is the Atlantic coastline. It's about a, an hour's journey away from us. But really beautiful beaches, um, big wide beaches, and there's a different vibe there. Uh, it's more, um, it's not posh, it's more family orientated and uh, more real, real Spanish. And um, there's a whole sort of scene there where, you know, it's not just Spanish actually, but um, the people that haven't got overloaded wallets, <laughs> if you understand me, they go there and they, they um, enjoy the beach life. Uh, all kinds of chiringuitos, but a lot of people, they kind of stay in the car parks in their mobile homes. Whoop. Come in, Rue. Come off the road. Come off the road. <laughs> Come on. Sorry. Come on, Rue. Come on. Hola, buenas. <laughs> Come on. Rooney <laughs> is uh, stopping the cars. Hardly ever get a car along here. He stopped both of them and just uh, they wound down the windows and <laughs> patted him on the head. Friendly boy, aren't you, Roo? <laughs> um, yeah, so Tarifa. And we went there and we took picnics, or a picnic, uh, ice boxes, and uh, we've now accumulated, you know, a sun umbrella and a couple of deck chairs and, you know, beach towels and things. So, yeah, it's, it's really nice, that kind of... Um, day because you're not overspending and you're getting the benefit of the sunshine and the sea but the the, the feature I hadn't actually realized um, that particular stretch of beach is the temple that uh, all the kite boarding worshippers come to <laughs> I've never seen so many kite boarders I mean we tried to count and there were over 200 and you'd think they'd all tangle into each other's kites but no they seem to do it to the extent that I even thought in one foolish old man moment that oh god I think I'd like to do this <laughs> I don't think that's going to be possible well I'm half toying with the idea of taking a lesson and uh, Walter who's he's about the same age as me but he's in good shape I mean I, he probably I think he had been doing it up in, they were spent a, a week before they came to see us in Portugal. And I think he had tried it up in Portugal, I know he had. So that was uh, something that inspired me. But uh, when we got there, <laughs> it's funny, you know, all walks of life, when we got there, the car park was pretty full. So, you know, and the car park is right, you know, goes up, sort of borders the, the beach. Um, so, you know, people want to be as close as they can to the beach, and it's very, very busy. <laughs> the beach is enormous, so, you, you know, it's not busy on the beach, but the car park, because you're, you're focusing a lot of cars into a small space. That was full. And we were, we were, you know, 
looking for a space. We were in two cars and uh, we got to one point where these enormous guys, Danish, like that guy I just met jogging, he wasn't enormous, but these guys were absolutely enormous, mu muscle-bound Danes, covered shoulder to shoulder, you know, butt to neck in tattoos. Uh, and they, they'd all just arrived with their motorbikes and their, and their women. <laughs> there must have been about 10 of them, I guess, they were a gang. <laughs> and uh, rather threatening. I mean, I don't know if they were sort of uh, trying to cause trouble, but they were just, you know, not bothering to get out of the way at all. Because we were trying to get past. And I found myself being very tolerant and patient. <laughs> Whereas normally I'd be like hooting the horn, but no, no, no. I decided, no, no, I can wait. <laughs> Didn't want to tangle that, that gang. And then, oh gosh. And then we finally found a space where we could fit two cars. And what was a little bit behind. So I, I nipped into the space and then I, I stood behind it to, to reserve it for Walt so he could you know, get the space behind me. And then in comes this other red car with a lady in it. I walked up to her and in Spanish I say, I'm really sorry, but I'm just holding this for my friend. He's just there. He pointed and she, and she, she said in English, first come, first served. The what? You're English? She said, yes, first come, first served. I'm sorry, but you can't reserve space here. I said, well, he's, he's just there, right behind you. He's just trying to get in next to me. She said, no, I'm sorry, I'm parking here. <laughs> a little bit awkward moment. And I said, well, could you just, you know, not do that? Because we're trying to park together because we've got all our stuff together. And she said, no, I'm parking here. Very belligerent. She said, I'm a single mum. You know, I said, oh, hmm, okay. <laughs> rather nonplussed by that uh, rather aggressive behaviour, but I thought, well, let's not ruin the day uh, worrying about that. And anyway, what was able to park behind her just. So we're okay. But yeah, you've got to scramble for, it's, you know, only the strongest survive, I think, in that kind of environment. But cool, you know, there was a hotel. It, was a, it wasn't like a posh hotel, but it was a very cool hotel with good music coming out of it. And they had a lawn in front of it. They were serving drinks. And then, you know, you go down onto the beach and uh, it's, it's gorgeous. And it's like, you know, I, I seem to remember in my childhood what, what you would do, you know. It wasn't all expensive restaurants and expensive... Uh, uh, we call them hammackers here, but you know, the sunbed things with the, with the mattresses on. Well, that was really nice. So, so I'm going, how did I get onto that? <laughs> I guess I'm just talking about the summer, aren't I? And what goes on. So, uh, Christine and I have decided that we'd rather like, even though it's an hour's drive, it's not a stressful hour's drive. God, look at you cicadas here, really loud. Not a stressful hour's drive at all. And you get a different um, feel, plus the beach is really nice soft sand, so you know, it's worth it. If you're coming down to this part of the world and uh, you want a sort of a different beach experience, I would highly recommend that you try out um, that, that part of uh, the coast.
I was just looking at the, um, the, the the app that I've got to record my podcasts. You know, on the screen it gives me a sort of like a graph which shows that it is actually recording and you've got the peaks and troughs of the sound waves. And all I have is a huge, great peak and trough graph because I think it's picking up the noise of the cicadas so much that I don't know if you can even hear my voice. Hope so. Um, we'll, we'll get beyond them in a little bit, but I'm sorry if it is actually causing quite an unpleasant listening experience. I hope not. <laughs> not bothering you, is it, Ruth? So, yes, we've had, um, you know, Walton Ingrid here. Uh, I think that, yes, those peaks in the, uh, in the graph are just fading away now as I move away from the cicadas. Gosh, I often say, don't I, that, you know, if you wanted to sort of record a sound that really does encapsulate summer, the cicada is it. <laughs> It really does, because it kind of drowns everything else out. There's nothing else, you know, especially when it's a still day like this. Oh God, I think there's another one coming up. Well, we just have to put up with that, don't we, Rue? Okay, so I'm kind of walking the, the walk that we usually walk, but slightly in reverse. That means I'm walking backwards. I mean, I think I'm, what I mean is I'm walking the route in the opposite direction that I usually go. So I'm looking down now at the coast and I can't see the sea. It's hazy, which is unusual. Well, I mean, not unusual, but usually you just look out at the beautiful blue sea and the coastline. I can see the coastline, but I can't see the sea because it's the same color as the sky. That sometimes happens when it's very hazy and hot. And that's what we've got right now. And, uh, you know, one tends to forget because uh, a year is a, uh, it's a long cycle, isn't it, for the human memory to retain everything that happened. Um, but I think if I was to go back over my podcast, I would find that it's probably similar weather this time last year. Just, just contemplating, you know, the, uh, the fact that the Earth has made one complete rotation of the sun since the last time that Ingrid and Walt were here. Does, it always makes me, think that things like that make me contemplate time and, and, and the concept of time. Because we measure time in terms of revolutions of our planet on its own axis and revolutions of our planet around our sun, which is, you know, it's the way we do it. God knows how we came up with that concept, but we did. And uh, no, Lenny, don't start barking. But I was thinking, I think it was Aristotle or something. Um, Lenny, stop. Aristotle, I think, one of those Greek philosophers, you know, sort of encapsulated it in another way which is the past is vast you know 
In other words, it's, it's you know, immeasurable. The past you know, has gone on forever. And the future is limitless in that there is no boundary on the future. And the future is what is ahead of us and the past is what is behind us. The only thing that we have is this thin little sliver between the past and the future, which is the present. And as soon as I've mentioned it, it is in the past. So the present is just the briefest fleeting moment that we live in, in between the past and the future. <clears throat> and time is this little wedge that we put between what has happened and what is going to happen. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's some sort of deep and meaningless thoughts for you to wrestle with or ignore at your will. But you know, it, but it, it does make me think that kind of stuff. And you know, when you look up into the firmament, and the th I think the third brightest thing in the sky, if you, you, know, if you have a clear sky, is Neptune. You know, the gigantic um, planet in our solar system, anyway. And I think Neptune is like 1,300 times the mass or the scale of the Earth. So you could fit 1,300 Earths into the same sort of space that Neptune occupies. So it's a giant, named after the king of the Roman mythology gods, Neptune. <laughs> and uh, what I think is interesting is, whilst w it takes us 24 of our hours to rotate on our axis, Neptune, which is as I've just explained, so much bigger than Earth, rotates on its axis, I think every 10 hours, something like that, really fast. So I wonder what that does, if you happen to be, if it's possible, if there is any life on Neptune, how do you measure time? Yeah. Construction light. How do you measure time? And Neptune is not, um, solid like Earth. Neptune is a, uh, it's more of a gas, I think, as a planet, so it doesn't sort of rotate equally like we do. I mean, I think it twists a bit, so round about the, uh, you know, the top of the planet, it doesn't move as fast as the bottom. All right, enough of that heady nonsense. I'm just walking past, you'll probably hear a little bit of construction noise. <clears throat> one of the houses that's in uh, in trouble with us <laughs> here switching to my role as president of our community um, you can hear the builders making a noise so there is a so there's a noise embargo in well in that community is right borders our community we have a noise embargo from the 16th of July to the end of August and uh, in their community they have it from the 1st of July but the builders are just ignoring it and just carrying on building and making as much noise as they, they need to. Um, which is upsetting everybody's come on holiday and they're getting all this construction noise. It's only on that last street that borders La Heredia. So yeah, I've, uh, I've had to 
via our administrators, our administration company, I've had to register a denuncia, which is sort of a formal way of denouncing somebody for breaking the law with the, uh, you know, with the town council. I haven't done it. I mean, the, the administrator did all the paperwork and sent it in, but it's got my name on it. So I'm a bit worried about that. Um, yeah, so John Stuttart has denounced the builders on that particular plot for continuing to build through a, uh, a period where, you know, we have a law that says you're not allowed to build. <laughs> so I wonder what's going to happen. Good grief. I didn't think I'd find myself in that position when I agreed to become president of this community. But there you go. It's all part of life's rich endeavour, isn't it? So, we're back into our own village now, away from that building site and into, into the security and the safety of La Heredia, my kingdom, <laughs> for the time being. So, uh, I think what we'll do is we'll move into the uh, closing section, if you don't mind, Ruth, do you? No, you don't mind. Um, and just uh, close out with this podcast. So, into the closing section we go. Okay, well, we're back into Calle Francisco Ramos. Frasco Ramos, actually, it's called. Frasco being short for Francisco. I think they prefer, in Spain, they prefer the... I'm talking quietly because it's really quiet in the village right now. But I think they prefer the abbreviation Frasco to Franco these days for obvious reasons. <laughs> Francisco is still a popular name, but abbreviating it to Franco not so popular anymore. But Frasco is, is what they've done with it. It's fine. So yeah, gosh it smells gorgeous here. I don't know. I think it's jasmine or whatever it is. It smells absolutely delicious. And I'm just walking past three lemon trees in a row. Whereas the lemons are still green at this particular time, they'll be yellow soon. And uh, this is a particularly pretty street actually. Houses are quite close to each other to the extent that um, I'm just walking underneath the grapevine uh, branch that spans from one side of the street to the other, which is cool. So you've got two houses connected on the opposite sides of the street by grapes. And look, there's grapes actually coming down. I'm going to take a picture of that. Grapes actually hanging down from the vine. That is really rather special. So I'm going to take a picture. I wonder if I can really do this justice. Um, I think I probably can if I do it from this side. Anyway, what I would like to do is say thank you very much indeed for listening to this podcast and joining Rooney and I in our midsummer or height of summer podcast. And um, well, we will talk to you again very soon. <laughs>